Welcome back to The Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about talking like a TED Talker. Kurt was a little freaked out. I don't mind talking in front of groups, he told me during our coaching session. I actually enjoy presenting at these annual global meetings, but I don't know what she means when she says she wants us to talk about our groups as if we're giving a TED Talk. Kurt was referring to Dorothy, the company's CEO. Her vision for this year's global gathering was that she and her senior team would stop delivering droning monologues one after the other. Instead, she wanted everyone on her team to talk about their part of the business as if giving a TED Talk. I loved the idea. I said, TED Talkers have a wonderful way of making us curious. We suddenly become fascinated by something we didn't know was fascinating. Kurt said, You think I'm going to get people to think talent is fascinating? Not that group. Kurt was chief talent officer. I asked, But the work interests you, doesn't it? Well, sure. So I said, Your job is to show me what interests you and to do it in a way that'll interest me. That's what TED Talkers do so well. They show us why something is interesting. He gave a skeptical smile. Nice work if you can get it. Well, here's my first question, I said. What's the one big idea you want me, your listener, to take away in 20 words or less? He took a breath and then said, Without the right talent in the right places, we're not going to win. People have to get involved in the recruiting process. And they have to be better interviewers or we're going to recruit the wrong people. And they have to develop their people once they get them there. We are kidding ourselves if we think we can compete with B-list players. I said, okay, that was a great first take. He laughed. <laughs> not exactly 20 words. No, first takes usually aren't, I said. Oh, I forgot to ask, how long do you have for your talk? Just like a TED Talk, he said, 18 minutes. Okay, now, take two, I said. In 20 words or less, for real this time, what one big idea are you going to get from your head to mine in 18 minutes? He thought just a second and then said, Talent drives our business. It's our competitive advantage. I rocked forward. That's fantastic, Kurt. Doesn't that sound compelling to you? He was cautious. I don't know, he said. It sounds simplistic. Well, it's just one big idea. It's the skeleton everything else is going to hang from. Well, then it's okay there's no meat on those bones, he said. Well, it's okay for now, because now that you have your big idea, you start hunting for the movie that's going to illuminate that big idea. He drew in his chin, skeptically leaning back. I changed my approach. I said, the president of TED is a guy named Chris Anderson. He wrote a terrific book about how to give a TED Talk. There are a million great suggestions in there, but one in particular stuck with me because it is so simple and it is so incredibly true. What was it? Kurt asked. Overstuffed equals unexplained. Kurt gave an immediate laugh of recognition. <laughs> Brother, have I ever told you about Dylan? He's one of my direct reports. That perfectly describes every one of his staff presentations. He jams in way too much information, and then none of us know what the hell he's trying to tell us. You know what I call those overstuffed, unexplained presentations, I asked? Flyovers. 
Yeah, like tree topping, he said, bouncing his hand along an invisible line above his head, bumping off the canopy. Exactly, I nodded. An overstuffed presentation will never be a TED Talk. Instead, find the movie in your head that illustrates your big idea. And then you have to get the movie that's on the screen inside your head, projecting onto the screen inside my head. That's never going to happen if you do a flyover. The only movies that light up our screens are the ones with close-ups. Still skeptical, he said, I'm not sure I'm getting this whole movie concept. Would it help if I called it a story, I asked. I don't know, he said. Well, here's what I'm talking about, I said. I am talking about specifics of what people did, said, and felt. That's what makes a movie. And it's what turns boring blah, blah, blah into something we want to listen to. Everyone wants to hear about what people do and say and feel. He smiled, saying, I've got a daughter who is pretty analytical. I think she'd argue with you. Well, bring her on, I said. I think I'd win. I find even the highest analytics can't resist listening to a situation that has drama in it. And drama only comes to life when you tell me actions people take, words they say to each other, and the impact it all has on them. He gave a long, unconvinced, okay. Can I show you how this works, I offered. Please. Suppose Dorothy came to you and said she wanted to go out for a long lunch. (laughs) The woman who never stops to eat, he laughed. I don't think so. Just suppose. And suppose, she says, she really wants to understand how you think about this idea of talent driving the business. What details would you want to tell her? What comes to mind? He thought seriously for a second, and then he said, The San Diego office. (laughs) They consistently make bad hires time after time. And they have Deadwood that's been around for years, and it's affecting their numbers. Matthew, he's the head there. Matthew's heard me say this, but nothing's getting better. And then he signaled a stop, saying, But I would never tell Dorothy that. I'm not trying to throw Matthew under the bus here. No, of course not, I said. And that situation does have a lot of drama in it, Kurt. It's a great story. And it's a great example of talent driving the business, which is your big idea. Well, it's about talent not driving the business, he said ruefully. But, Kurt, can you hear? You have passion about that situation. (laughs) Yeah, I do. That means it'll be a great seed for one of your stories. And it came to you when you imagined talking about something important to you. But I'm not going to tell it, right? No, not in that format. But now we have a starting point. And now I can teach you a three-part structure that you can build on. The parts can go in any order but I'm going to start with one I call the future perfect. Like the future perfect tense, he asked. Right. It's already been completed in the future. It already exists. Sweet, he said. In the future perfect, you get to say things like, imagine a time when, or I can see a time when, and you paint a picture of a future where today's problems don't exist. You show me a movie about a time when the current pain, whatever that pain is, has been eradicated. Oh, he said, and then I'll tell you how to get to that perfect future. Yes, I said. Those are the other parts. But for the moment, let's stick to this first part, the future perfect. Your challenge 
is to show me a movie with close-ups of what people do, say, and feel in that perfect future. No flyovers, he said. Right. So you can say something like, I can see a time when people act in this particular way, and you will tell me what those actions are in detail. And then you say, and when these people talk to each other, they say things like this, and you will replay actual conversations like a transcript. Like a movie, he said, getting into it. Like a movie, I echoed. And then, then you say, and those actions and those words make those people in the future feel like this. He said, and that's a positive feeling, I assume. Yes, because you believe that all those actions and all those words represent ways that talent is driving the business in the future, your big idea. And your big idea is supposed to create a positive feeling. And that way, he said, everything connects to my one big idea. Absolutely, I said. Every detail in your movie has to connect directly to your one big idea. If it doesn't, cut it. I like that. Okay, so Future Perfect is part one. What's next? I said, parts two and three both take place in the present. And in both instances, just like in the future tense, you're going to show us what people are doing and saying and feeling in detail. Show the movie, he said. I got it. Okay, so part two is a movie about words and actions that are creating the current pain, and the current pain is the feeling. He picked up the ball. Then part three is about actions and words that are helping alleviate the current pain, and the relief is the feeling. You got it, I said. And then I added, I assume there really is someone in the company you think handles their talent well, right? Melinda, he said in reply. She's in Ottawa. She is great about developing her people. Could you describe the specific things she does and says and feels? Oh, absolutely, he said. Well, I'm not sure how she feels. No, that's not true. I do know how she feels. She loves developing her people. She's proud of it. She's told me that. So in part three, you'll tell us her story. Her actions, her words will point towards the future perfect. And you can use her name. Give her public props. Melinda in Ottawa becomes the representative of the present hopeful. He was definitely on board. He said, okay. So hold on. The three parts are the good future, the good present day, and the bad present day. He thought and then said, I get the outline, but I'm not so sure I know how to weave the three stories together. You want to hear my version off the top of my head? Go for it, he said. I paused and then quietly said, I can picture a time in our future when we... And then I get you watching that future-perfect movie giving lots of details about actions, words, and feelings. And then I say something like, that is our company as I dream about it. Talent is driving the business, but the future is fragile. It's not guaranteed we're going to get there. And do you know what might stop us? Things we're doing today. Things like hiring B-list people. And that transitions you into part two, the present pain, right? And you name it as a threat to the future. Do I just name it, Kurt asked? Or am I going to do the whole did, said, and felt thing, really show them one damn scary movie? Oh, you are absolutely going to show them one damn scary movie in detail. But you don't have to say it's happening in San Diego. Right, he said. And then we close with the rah-rah-rah of Melinda.
Right, I said. Part three is always fun. You can say something like, but there's so much that's going well. In fact, in some places, we're doing things that look a lot like that future I told you about. Let me brag a little about Melinda in Ottawa. And then you're into part three, the hopeful future. And then I tell him, detail, 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 do say feel. Right, I said. He leaned back. You know, it might make more sense if I switched part two with part three. That way I could end with the pain, end with the threat. Yeah, I said, sure, great. Or you could end with the future perfect if you want. You can rearrange them in any order depending on the point you want to make. You know what occurs to me, he asked. I could teach this to Dylan. He could use this to structure his staff reports, couldn't he? Well, he could. But first, ask him what his one big idea is. <laughs> Dylan, he said, he doesn't have one. He has 20. Well, I said, help him get clear on his one main point, and he'll start sounding more like a TED Talker, because that is, after all, one great way to display the look and sound of leadership. What was the point of this episode? Well, let me put it to you this way. I love my clients. I do, but oh my God, most of them put people to sleep when they start talking. I swear, I hear these people start addressing their teams and I can't follow their thinking for three minutes. And these are people that I talk to uninterrupted for hours and I know they make sense. I do not want you to be that communicator. And really, I promise you, with not that much work, you could use these tools and you could hold people's interest. When you do that, people think you're smart. <laughs> You'll get promoted, I swear. If you get people listening to you, you will advance. <laughs> so, okay, what are the tools? Are you ready? Number one, one big idea. What are you talking about? Get focused. Boil it down to its essence. Vague is unacceptable. Make it crystal clear. And don't underestimate the importance or the difficulty of this step. Go back and listen to the section with Kurt that starts around the two-minute mark of this episode when I'm trying to get him to find his one big idea. That is one long section, but that's how people think. It's true. It takes at least that long to find your one big idea. Why? Because when we first start thinking about what we want to talk about, we've got all kinds of ideas and they're all tangled up together. That's fine. That's where you should start. But that's why step one is actually not that easy. Boil it down. Find your one big idea. Okay, that's step one. Here's step two. Once you have your big idea, play, think, doodle mentally. With Kurt... I asked him to play by having him imagine having lunch with Dorothy, and that freed his mind to talk about what was important to him. That is what you have to do in step number two. Play with your big idea. Get as many ideas as you can. What you're looking for is the moment when you suddenly think to yourself about something someone did. That's the beginning of a story. You want to find as many of those as you can. You remember what she did? You remember what he did? That's the story. Find four of those. Find ten of those, as many as you can. And by the way, this is just thinking. You can do this during your drive. You can do this in the shower. It's just play. It doesn't have to take up your life. So that's number two. Find things about your big idea that trigger those little movies. Number three. Take those little actions that you can see people doing and just sort them into categories. Some are naturally going to appear as good good stories. And those are stories that are going to have behaviors you wish more people would emulate. 
Those are going to become either the future perfect or present perfect stories. And other stories are automatically going to show up with behaviors you most definitely do not want people to emulate. Those are going to be present pain stories. And those are the three stories you're looking for. Future perfect, present perfect, present pain. And then the final step, you're going to add the details of what people do and say and feel, and there you go, instant TED Talk. And I swear you could do this as a way to introduce a new procedure during a meeting. You could do this at a staff meeting when you have three slides and 10 minutes. I, I mean, really go for it. And if you want to really craft an actual TED Talk, get Chris Anderson's book. It is great. It's called, it's called TED Talks. That's it. You can't miss it. I worked with a team who actually created TED Talks for their global management meeting. It was a blast. Right at the beginning of my work with them, I created a reduction of Chris Anderson's book for them. I reduced it all down to three pages. If you get the book, and if you'd like to see my condensed highlights, I would love to send them to you. I actually think it's a great little document. So how would you get the document? You'd go to the Essential Communications website. That's essentialcom.com. Hit contact. Ask for the TED Talks PDF, and I would be happy to share it with you. If, on the other hand, you want more look and sound of leadership related to helping make yourself into a terrific presenter, five other episodes you could listen to are Captivate Your Audience, Making Stories Soar, Managing Nervousness, The Power of Rehearsal, and what compelling speakers share. Or you can just jump into the Coaching Tips archive on the website and sort by presentation skills. I love hearing from you all. Thank you so much for being in touch. And those of you this month who posted so much encouragement and kudos online with reviews and ratings, thank you. That was great. I'm so appreciative. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>